Rise and shout. We're two hours away from the kickoff of BYU football. Tight trips left. Option look. Keeper Jaron. 10, 5, touchdown Cougars! Jaron Hall scores! This is Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union. Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Also by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. To get you ready for BYU football, let's join the host of Cougar Pregame Live, Jason Shepard. Good evening, BYU fans. Welcome into Cougar Pregame Live, presented by Mountain America Credit Union, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Tonight, the 15th ranked and undefeated BYU Cougars face the 1-2 and two University of South Florida Bulls. Welcome in to Cougar Canyon just outside Lavelle Edwards Stadium, getting you ready for BYU and USF. My name is Jason Shepard. Thank you so much for joining us for BYU football. Joining me is the former quarterback, a radio analyst. You know him, you love him. His name is Riley Nelson, and Riley, BYU is picked up right where they left off last season. We were all wondering, how was BYU going to take what they had last year and push it forward to this year? They have done it masterfully, my friend. i got to tell you, the it, this stat's been making the rounds on social media, but seeing that nobody has won more games since the start of last season <laughs> but Alabama, who were the national champions, uh, it's it makes you feel pretty good. It is definitely a good time to be a BYU fan. You are 15th ranked in the country. You are 3-0 and on the season. You have already claimed at least a share of the Pac-12 South title, and that obviously includes a win over the University of Utah. Life is good, and hopefully in just a couple of hours, you will wrap up the night here in Provo with a record of 4-0. and But before the Cougars face the Bulls, let's get to our game headlines. Right out of the gate, as we mentioned, BYU 3-0 for the first time in quite a while. All three wins over P5 teams from the Pac-12. BYU ranked 15th. And by the way, that is the second straight season that BYU is ranked in the top 15. Last year, they were ranked 11th. BYU also has not trailed this season and has scored first in all three games. And, Riley, we hear teams talk about it. you got to come out. you got to have that energy right from the get-go. You want to be able to kind of lay that first punch. BYU has done that in all three games. They mo- and they've done it in different ways, whether it's the offense coming right out or whether it's the defense making the stop or, as we saw last week, a big special teams turnover leading to a quick, quick change offensive score. So uh, one of the things I like about that, though, is it's not like BYU is completely boast- boat race teams to where they haven't been in a dogfight. Each game, they've faced adversity, they've faced stress, and they've responded positively and assertively in each of those three, which is a good track record to have early on in this young season. If you're hearing the band, that means the Cougar Walk has begun here from Cougar Canyon. Ah, the pageantry of college football. You know, and and to go on to continue the topic of, of scoring first, I think especially when the wins begin to to rack themselves up and teams are coming in here, especially a team that's traveling from Florida, a couple of time zones, elevation, putting up the first points, it almost it, it deflates them even more like, oh, my goodness, here we go. I don't know if Under Armour copyrighted it or not, and obviously BYU is a Nike school, but this is our house is the message right. that that sends. And uh, equally for Arizona where they were coming up here and everybody's looking at the mountains and we hear it almost 
every time, it's almost like clockwork that we hear from the opposing broadcaster when they're going to join us on Know the Foes. What a beautiful venue y'all have, and the mountains, and yep. the trees, and all that. I, I kind of like that they're a little bit distracted by that, and then first thing you know, the bell rings, they get punched in the mouth, and uh, and the route is on. So it's a good little strategy. I don't think it's necessary for BYU to be able to come out and win. I think this team is so solid in all three phases, but it sure is a nice luxury to start off the game ahead. Do you look at this game as a revenge game? Because this is the second all-time meeting, and it was just a couple of years ago, 2019. BYU lost at Raymond James Stadium. USF won 27-23. In fact, Jaron Hall made his first start ever in that game. He also exited with a concussion. Baylor Romney finished the game at quarterback. And this is the latest kickoff time in USF program history. They have never kicked off in a game they played later than what they will tonight. Right now it's supposed to be right around 8.15 or later uh, kickoff time. But the last time these two teams met, BYU lost. Do you you view this as a revenge game, or is that probably more for the the hype machine? Uh, I definitely do. I mean... Revenge is, uh, not only is it a dish best served cold, it's also maybe a little bit strong to describe the sentiment coming into, into this game. But the programs kind of went on divergent paths since that. Obviously, that was on the heels of a deflating loss to Toledo. And that whole 2019 campaign kind of came to, to a frustrating end with Hawaii. Obviously, the 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 uh, this Cougar program came back with a vengeance last year. They've continued on that streak with their winning ways. I think it is a message to send that, listen, you may have got the best, but, and we may do some of this recap over the course of our pregame, but that game was kind of fluky. Like, right. BYU was largely in control. South Florida comes back, comes out in the second half and says, you know what, we're not going to throw the ball. We're g-. They do a lot of misdirection run game, or at least they did at the time. We're going to see a little bit different attack, which we'll get into later. But I think BYU wants to assert that, like, look, that was on your turf. It was a fluke, and that was a different team. Even though there's a lot of us that are the same guys lining up, i.e. Jaron Hall, right. i.e. You know, Lopini Katoa, all these guys. I was going to say Tyler Algier, but he was playing linebacker at the time. Anyway, uh, the – there, I think there is a desire. I mean, you're going to be tackled or you're going to tackle a guy that you played against in 2019. And so to show them or send the message that it's a completely new day is something that I think is definitely on the mind of this Cougar football team. Well, and whether or not it was a linchpin for what happened next, obviously that was not a game BYU should have lost. Since that loss, BYU's record is 19-3. and so whether or not there's a direct correlation to that loss and what BYU has done since remains to be seen. But what we do know is BYU has certainly found a rhythm since that game. And we mentioned a couple of guys. You mentioned Jaron Hall getting his first start, Baylor Romney coming in at quarterback. Well, let's talk a little bit about injuries. One of the big questions right now is the status of Jaron Hall. He left the ASU game right at the very end, got hit right in the chest. He said he had the wind knocked out of him. He did talk afterwards during post game said he was going to be uh, be okay uh, but right now there's a lot of speculation on whether or not he is going to play tonight if he is healthy do you play him anyway will Baylor Romney get the start right now we don't know we're actually waiting on word to find out exactly what the situation is with quarterbacks the so, quarterback is so I mean Jaron Hall is a grown man and it's not like when you were kids in the backyard and your older brother or cousin or whatever knocked the wind out of you <laughs> it takes a lot <laughs> to knock the wind out of a grown man like Jaron Hall so I wouldn't be surprised if they're maybe associating injuries i don't know i i haven't been updated as to the specifics but i did say on the post game last week if there is any doubt and this is this is coming from a guy who played through a lot of injuries and and went out there at you know maybe 70 percent 75 
looking back and not having my full repertoire, you know, my full quiver of arrows as far as skills that I could reach back on in a competitive football game, here I am now a decade later saying I I wish I would have rested. At the time, it was harder because yeah. I'm like, you know, I've only got four years. I'm in my senior season, and there's only so many games left. I want to – And it's the mentality. I want to be course. out there. Yeah, like it's not my job. It's The corner's supposed to throw in the towel, not the <laughs> boxer, right? But uh, I said it after the post game. I, I think this – I think Jaron, the coaching staff, the training staff would be wise that if he's not feeling 100% right, BYU from a talent scheme and just an overall program standpoint is in a position – that I think they can be successful tonight, even without their leader, Jaron Hall. Yeah, and again, we do not know one way or the other, but let's just say, if Jaron does not play tonight, this offense is going to be in excellent hands with Baylor Romney, if that's who indeed gets the start at quarterback. Hoping to know more within the next hour or so, and as soon as we find anything out officially, we will pass it along to you. One player we do know is officially out, and that is Keenan Peely. Torn ACL, done for the season. You just feel horrible for Keenan. He's going to have surgery coming up in a couple of weeks. He was first in the team in tackles, also first in solo tackles. He was tied for first in sacks and hurries. He was second in tackles for loss. This is certainly a position that BYU view it as a strength, but you never want to lose a guy like Keenan Peely. Well, one of the things you didn't, you mentioned uh, an incredible resume, and he also dons the C on his chest. Anytime you lose a guy that's got a C on their chest, it just, it is a blow to the program, no matter how well things are are doing. You mentioned all all those stats represent finished products, but one of the things that I, I think may happen tonight, and I hope they mitigate it, but I... I, I've seen it happen too many too many times. I think it's bound to happen is that presence that he had being the quarterback of that defense in the middle of the field, getting everybody lined up, making sure everybody knew their checks, their calls, their assignments, right, all before the offense get the snap. I think we may see as a result of his absence perhaps a guy that gets misaligned and the guy's running down the field. You know, I, it's bound to happen sure. just because – you cannot understate what he meant to the defense, not only from an effort and a production standpoint, but also from a leadership and, you know, playing between the ears. Let's focus a little bit on USF. They're coached by Jeff Scott in year two at South, at Southern, South Florida. excuse me. He's a former Clemson player, also a former Clemson coordinator, but he's in year two. Last year, not a great year, 1-10 for the Bulls. They are off to a 1-2 and two start. Losses at North Carolina State and then home versus Florida. They are coming off their first win of the season versus Florida A&M. They play an up-tempo offense, no huddle offense. But if, uh, if you, th- you think no huddle and up-tempo, just to kind of put it in perspective, however, they've only run three more plays than BYU has. They've run 208. BYU's run 205. Three quarterbacks have played for them. Two have started. Timmy McLean is the freshman. He looks to be the guy moving forward after starting last week in the team's victory. We'll get more on that when we talk with Jim Lauk, the Bulls play-by-play man, but it certainly looks like the freshman, Timmy McLean, is is in all likelihood going to get the start and the guy moving forward. I see this South Florida program as perhaps being where BYU was in 2018, right? There had been a regime change, at least on the offensive side for BYU. There was, you know, starting a young quarterback and kind of trying to be that phoenix emerging from the ashes tonight's matchup i hope i expect byu to take care of business this south florida team despite the unique challenges that their scheme may present i don't expect that to be anything that this byu team can't handle offensively or defensively they're going to definitely have the advantage on special teams and in terms of depth and the number of players that they can rotate they you mentioned the time of possession 
that attacking style of offense is great, except that it can also lead to long stretches, a, a quick three and outs. Right, right? yeah, absolutely. B- BYU has had their share of three and outs this year, but the, on average they're lasting between two and three minutes. When you're running at a lightning pace, it can last less than one, and you're off the field in 40 seconds sending your defense back out there. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens tonight. Obviously you have to respect all opponents and come out ready to play, but uh, the matchup here definitely favors BYU. He is Riley Nelson. My name is Jason Shepard. The show is Cougar Pregame Live. When we come back, get to Cougar Cuts. How will the BYU defense handle the loss of the team's leading tackler? We'll hit on that and many other things when we return. You're listening to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Alongside Riley Nelson, here's Jason Shepard. Cougar Pregame Live presented by Mountain America Credit Union, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. We'd like to welcome those now joining us, listening on KSL News Radio. Welcome into Cougar Pregame Live. Jason Shepard alongside Riley Nelson coming to you live outside Lavelle Edwards Stadium on the west side, Cougar Canyon. Lots of uh, BYU fans wearing their Navy. If uh, you're on your way down, don't forget tonight is a Navy night that everybody's wearing Navy inside the uh, the stadium. It has looked awesome, by the way, and everybody who has come to the games has looked fantastic, abiding by the we're going to wear this during this game and this game is going to be this. The crowd on TV and in person has looked amazing, so make sure if you're on your way down, you're wearing your Navy tonight as BYU gets ready to host the Bulls of South Florida. Riley, it's time for Cougar Cuts, and we mentioned this is not the first time these two teams have met. They met back in Tampa back in 2019, and head coach Kalani Satake was asked about the last time these two teams met and what he expects from the Bulls this time around. Different staff. A lot of the same players on on our team and there, so there's definite um, memories of that game, so... Uh, you recap some of it. So we, we know the game. We know the personnel. A little bit different scheme um, uh, from them, but we, we see the athleticism and speed and the talent on their team. So we, we need to make sure that we're ready to do our best and, and keep our focus on these guys. But there's, there's, a, there's a, a huge drive to play better this weekend, especially against this team. Yeah, Riley, this is not a team that you can take lightly. Yes, BYU is favored by 23-and-a-half, but we've seen quite a few upsets today in college football, and you have to take your opponent seriously. BYU, with the with the run they're on right now, I really don't see them overlooking anybody. I think that is a byproduct of how locked in they are. Most definitely. The discipline, the senior leadership. Our own Greg Rebell tweeted earlier today, so you mentioned the upsets. Bowling Green was the FBS program with the longest winless streak against FBS opponents. They won. They beat Minnesota today. So now who is the team with the longest winless streak against FBS opponents? Your own South Florida Bulls. So that's who BYU's facing. That's the momentum that they have tonight. I don't envision this team being the one that gets upset, but you always have to be, you always have to be on your game, especially versus those Florida boys. Because Florida boys, they may not, the scheme might not always be dialed in. You know, maybe the execution's not always there, but the speed and athleticism yes. is. And perenni- and traditionally, that's always given BYU fits. There is so much talent out of states like Florida and Texas that, regardless of the program, 
even if even if a certain number of athletes go to upper echelon programs there's enough talent in those states if all you did was recruit your home state you're going to get guys that can play and you see athletes and you see speed all over the field with the bulls no doubt all right we mentioned the season ending acl injury to linebacker keenan peely and you feel horrible for him coach satake said it will be up to the defense to show its depth there's going to be a bunch of guys that, that we're going to need to play. When you're playing against high-tempo, no-huddle type of team like like what USF will do, we're going to need more than just the 11 starters on defense. We're going to need a number of those guys, and we're going to have to dip into the, the depth because we want to play fresh and play you know where everybody's clicking at 100%. Um, Ben's one of the guys that, that's going to fill in that we feel really comfortable with, but we feel good about that whole entire group. We feel good about um, you know having uh, you know, Drew Jensen and, and Josh Wilson and Morgan Piper, you know, Jackson Kofusi, that, that whole group, we're going to have to step up and we might have to change a couple of things from what Peyton Wilgard does and, and looking at a little bit of things that, that, that Peyton and Max can do with their experience and maybe move guys around. But we'll figure it out, give our guys a chance to compete, and we'll, we'll play with the best 11. And, Riley, we talk about depth, and that's one of the things I think that, uh, that I think we're most excited about with this team moving forward into a conference like the Big 12 is, you know, that's that's where you see a lot of the separation from the haves and the have-nots in terms of programs. It's it's the depth. Everybody can get really, really good starters, but it's the programs that can find the depth, and BYU is certainly on track to be able to do that, and the depth is that this team has now is, is a lot better than, say, five or six years ago. But this is a game where something like that will be tested, but it's an opportunity for guys to step up. Honestly, it's, it's football. Things are going to happen, and that's the good thing about having everyone in our room that can play because I know you guys know, but G talked about the time. We have every dude in our room has had experience playing and can play, so if a guy goes down, we have some guy that can step in and play. It doesn't really affect me too much because I know that we're going to do our jobs and ready to play. Well, that was uh, D'Angelo Mandel. That was going to be our next cut, uh, but since we, we played it, um, he was talking about that depth on the defense and how it really allows everything else to continue to flow even without those guys. And, look, that's the mindset that you want to have. And we've seen in recent years guys go down, guys step up. And even if you have to bring a safety up and to play somewhat of that hybrid safety linebacker to kind of shore that up a little bit, BYU has the guys that can do this. Yeah, and I wonder, can you hear me, Jason? Yeah. We're, all right, we're here in Cougar Canyon. A lot of people running around. Someone maybe tripped a wire there that last little bit, so I appreciate <laughs> our listeners staying with us. But – uh, you especially see it on the defensive side, which D'Lo obviously is on the defensive side. How many times has Greg this year, if we in live game action, used the term hockey line change? Right. And we've seen nine people off, nine people in. Going back to Kalani's last, uh, before the D'Lo cut, he mentioned all those names. He mentioned Drew Jensen, Josh Wilson, uh, Ben Bywater. Those are not, I mean... Most of the fans that pay attention already know those names. Right. I had the opportunity during fall camp to go and watch a practice or two, and I had to, after I had to, so Preston Hadley, he coaches the safeties, but I played with him, so he's kind of my guy, and I pull him aside. I'm like, yo, who's starting? Uh, I thought, you know, Wilgar and Thule and Peely were kind of our guys in the linebacking core, but, like, 
it looked to me like it was pretty even reps. He goes, that's how we roll around here is we spread the love on those reps. He goes, those guys will definitely be our day one starters. We trust them. they got the experience. They've taken care of business. But we are all about developing from the bottom up, and, boy, are they ever reaping the benefits of, of years. This didn't just start yes. this year or last. This has been something ever since Kalani took the job in 2016 that has been a priority, and they are reaping the benefits, no question. Well, and – Look, this is something that when you talk about certain positions, there are positions within the BYU football program that I just don't worry about. And linebacker is one of those. BYU produces linebackers at a very high clip. And I just, you certainly never want to see anybody go down, but we have proven year in and year out that that position is somewhere where there's a lot of talent. And guys have consistently, year after year, stepped up when they needed to, so I just don't worry about the linebacker position with BYU. Yeah, and just because I know this dude, like, takes names, I don't want him to be mad at us, Chef. So I, I would say the same for defensive line, especially interior defensive linemen. All right, you hear that, Lopa? All right, so now that Uri Leotawa has heard that, he doesn't, <laughs> have Lopa. To, he, he doesn't have to put us on the hit list. But, no, that defensive front seven, look, that was, what Kalani, that was how Kalani made his mark as a coach, whether it was at Utah or at Oregon State, his two stops prior to – coming here to BYU as the head coach it was making that at each of the teams he coached that defensive front seven was a force to be reckoned with and here we are in 2021 for BYU and as you just stated you don't worry about the defensive front seven all right coming up next we'll talk with Jim Lauk the play-by-play broadcaster for USF this is Cougar pregame live on the new skin BYU sports network Let's get you back to Jason Shepard and Riley Nelson for more Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Cougar Pregame Live is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. It's time to get to know the phone. Joined now by Jim Lauk, the play-by-play voice of the USF football team. And, Jim, thank you so much for taking a few minutes. We appreciate it. Yeah, glad to do it. Thanks. So, Jim, it was not that long ago that these two teams were playing at Raymond James Stadium, a game that went the uh, Bulls' way, and it's been a lot of changes for USF since then, but not a lot of winning. Where is this program at right now? I think most people that follow the team would tell you that they're on the right track and they're making some progress, but the reality is this is a complete and total rebuild Uh, When Jeff Scott uh, took over the head coaching job at the beginning of 2020, he didn't inherit a whole lot, and uh, he has slowly rebuilt the culture. He's got to get a couple of good recruiting classes now to kind of keep the momentum going, but he's built a good culture. He's he's starting to turn things around, but it uh, continues to be a work in progress. Jim, you mentioned the culture. Is that on on the football field? Because we know culture building has to do it. Going to class, doing the right things off, and I'm sure you know that looks the same for a lot of programs. But as we were doing prep for this South Florida football team, they're doing some things differently on the field. What does that culture look like? I got to imagine one element of it is executing at high speed and high pace. Yeah, they have really tried to uh, pick up the pace offensively and defensively. They tried to do that last year and honestly were not very successful at it. They've uh, shown some signs of progressing on that this year and they're just uh, they're doing a lot of uh, off the field things practices look a lot different the things that uh, that you would expect in terms of team bonding now they've got to get the athletes and they've got to get the depth 
sixth, and I think that'll be the, the next step for them over the next year or two. Jim, I know this will surprise you that people care about who plays quarterback for their football team. Uh, <laughs> Kate Fortin began the season as the starting quarterback, but freshman Timmy McLean has seen action in all three games, including getting his first start last week in the win over Florida A&M. It certainly appears like Timmy looks to be the guy moving forward. What is the quarterback situation right now heading into tonight? I think you'll see McLean for the most part tonight. Uh, in the last game against Florida A&M, uh, we did not see Fortin for a single snap. It was a tough start to the schedule for USF. I mean, they opened on the road at North Carolina State, and then they hosted Florida. So tough assignment for any quarterback, but they didn't move the ball very well in either game. McLean came off the bench both times, gave him a little bit of spark, and uh, they ultimately started him last week against Florida A&M, and he helped deliver a win. He's a true freshman, a great, great talent, but he's a true freshman. He'll he'll make a play that'll knock you out, and then the the next play he'll try to shoehorn a throw in between two defenders, and you'll realize he was a high school quarterback last year. But long term, uh, he looks like the guy, and I think he's a guy that can win a lot of games for them as time goes on. Jim, switch to the other side of the ball. Who's the quarterback of this defense? Our listeners uh, always like to kind of have. They always kind of like to be prepared of who are going to be those names called most often, especially, you know, making tackles and trying to defend against this BYU offense. Probably the linebackers, Boyles and Greer, number 11 and number 5, a couple of veterans there that uh, will always be around the ball. Uh, A big concern for USF last year and so far this year has been the defensive line. They don't have a lot of depth there. They're a little undersized there, and as a result, they've had some challenges stopping the run, not only last season, but in the early games this season as well. That's put a little bit more heat on those veteran linebackers, so I would expect uh, you'll be calling those two names a lot tonight. Talking with Jim Lauk, the voice of the USF Bulls, joining us here on Cougar Pregame Live. I know the team left a day early to come out here and get acclimated not just to the altitude but they were able to come over and take a walk through here at lavelle edwards stadium i saw all of the uh, the instagram videos of everybody getting a picture walking in and looking at the mountains um how are the players and coaches approaching this matchup taking on you know a 15th ranked team and uh you know a team that that you saw two years ago but now whether you want to call it a revenge game you know byu remembers what happened last time yeah, it's a, it's a different atmosphere, definitely. You know, this is the 25th season of USF football, and for the record, this is only the fifth time that they have ever crossed the Rocky Mountains to play a game. First time they've played a game in the state of Utah in 20 years. So it's different, uh, no doubt about that, and it's a fairly young team that still hasn't traveled a lot. It's only their second road game of this season so it's a little unique the coaches as you can imagine have kind of been preaching business as usual but uh the the players i know kind of had this marked on their schedule i honestly don't know how much that 2019 game resonates with this current usf team because there's so many new faces i think that game is probably remembered a little bit more by BYU players than USF players. 
Yeah, I think that's an interesting dynamic for sure because there's going to be a lot of familiar names that remember taking that bitter loss down in Tampa Bay. Uh, What does the recipe for a victory look like for South Florida here tonight? What are the coaches preaching to these young men? I think a lot of it concerns the running game. Uh, USF is going to need to create some first downs with the running game, uh, try to effectively move the ball that way. That'll take some of the pressure off the defense. And defensively, you know, as as it always seems to come down to with this USF team the last couple of years, they've got to make a dent stopping the opposition running game, which obviously is a daunting task against BYU. But they've got to try to control the game and get the defense off the field in a reasonable amount of time. And best way to do that is going to be uh, to be stout and run defense. Jim, last thing before we let you go, and I appreciate your time. Uh, I knew that USF and UCF didn't like each other too much. I don't know if I realized how much uh, they didn't like each other until the last couple of months with all of the Big 12 stuff. So a, a two-part question. Number one, from, from a South Florida standpoint, what are your thoughts on the four teams that did get into the Big 12? And I know that USF was hoping to be invited into that. didn't happen right now. But also, what's the dynamic that UCF was one of them that did? Well, I, I think a lot of it has to do with success on the field in the last couple of years, and unfortunately for USF, things have kind of reversed in the early years of that rivalry. USF consistently won that annual game with UCF. It hasn't been that way uh, in the last few years, so I think that's part of it. Um, you know, it's it's hard to figure, obviously, if expansion is over or not and, and what it exactly means. Uh, but certainly USF would have liked to have had their name called. And I suspect uh, when the Bulls travel to Orlando in the last game of the regular season in November, it will be the usual heated atmosphere for that game. <laughs> Jim, thank you so much for taking a few minutes. We'll let you get back over to uh, to your booth. Thank you so much, and have a great call tonight. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. There we go. Jim Lauk, the voice of the USF Bulls, joining us here on Cougar Pregame Live. Coming up next, you're not going to want to miss this. Great personality you're going to hear from Samson Nakua in my weekly Shep Talk. More Cougar Pregame Live after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to your host, Jason Shepard. Cougar Pregame Live is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. This week's Shep Talk is with receiver Samson Nakua. Samson and his brother Puka both transferred to BYU during the offseason and have been entertaining both on and off the field. Now, Samson missed the first game of the season at Arizona, but has played and contributed in both wins over Utah and Arizona State. Here's my conversation with Samson. All right, Samson, every time I have seen you, you have always had a smile on your face. You always look like you are having fun. How much fun are you having right now? Man... I'm smiling left and right as soon as I wake up, right before I go to sleep, probably in my dreams, I'm smiling. Like, <laughs> it feels good to be 3-0. and uh, First time being a Pac-12 champion, honestly, it feels good. <laughs> so, you know, I'm loving life, enjoying the moments right now. But, you know, 
not getting, uh, not overlooking anything except preparing for each game. Like, you know, it's, uh, you know, like it really matters. And we all joke about the, the Pac-12 South and all that stuff, but everybody looked at the schedule and there were a lot of doubters. The fact that you guys have come out and played the way you have against the teams that you have, I have to imagine there's a, a certain sense of accomplishment, but also, see, we told you we were good. Exactly. That's exactly. Um, I think everyone's been saying it, and we've been saying it before season. Um, last year wasn't a fluke. Um, I think whether me and Puker joined or not, this team was locked in um, and loving each other and uh, just playing for each other and uh, really focused this year. And uh, me and Puka were able to step in here and, uh, you know, add a little something too, but, you know, join them, you know, join the team and be part of something that's uh, beautiful. And uh, it's crazy, honestly. What do you attribute the three and zero start to the most? I mean, there's so many things that go into winning football games, regardless of who you're playing. So when you look back on the three and zero start, and I know you missed the first one, but what do you attribute the play to that has you know allowed you guys to start out the way you have? Um, I think the biggest thing is playing with love. Um, I know. Coach Shitake always talks about love and learning, but I think that's his biggest thing, really, is just loving each other. Um, he knows no one's going to play a perfect game. We're going to make mistakes, but not letting those mistakes just, like, overturn the whole game and letting those get to our heads and, like, learning to let go of those and talking with the coaches, too, and them not getting mad and learning to let go of that play and moving on and uh, still loving each other and still just, like, stepping and moving forward no matter what's happening through any adversity. And um, Coach Shitake is really letting us play our ball. Everyone's being being able to be so relaxed and feel good and feel free and feel how they want to feel before the game and doing what they need to do before the game and how they feel they need to prepare for the game. And uh, it's just a beautiful flow. Three catches for you, 21 yards and a touchdown against Utah. I know that one had to feel great. How has this season gone for you on a personal level? Um, it's perfect. Um, there's still uh, things I'm definitely wanting to work on more. I'm definitely still more details in the playbook that I'm trying to pick up. Um, but shoot, I can't ask for anything uh, more. Um, I'm in a beautiful program uh, with a wonderful system. Um, they're they're fitting me in perfectly to their scheme and, and whatever I'm doing, whether it's blocking, catching the ball, scoring a touchdown, it, it just all fits perfectly. And uh, I'm thankful to be here. Well, Samson, I have to imagine with so many weapons on this team, everybody on offense probably realized that they were going to have to sacrifice some numbers. And I think that's one of the coolest things I've seen this season. Regardless of who scores or makes a big play, everybody celebrates like they were the one that did it. And that doesn't always happen, but it's happening with this team. Why is that? Um, What I just said uh, with Coach Sataki and preaching and um, our – our program is based off love and learning and uh, that, that love right there. Um, everyone loves each other. Um, we're not here to compete. I mean, yeah, of course we're here to compete with each other, but it's fun when everyone's, when we're all winning as a team, it's fun when everyone's having a good time. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Everyone just loves each other so much and we all want to see each other succeed that no matter what, who's scoring, we, it, it just feels good because, you know, we're all winning at the end of the day. I know one of the, the biggest things that both you and Puka mentioned in the offseason when you guys decided to come to BYU, you guys and I talked about it during media day. It was to be able to play in front of your family. Now that you've been able to experience that for a couple of games, having the family be able to come to the games, is it everything you'd hoped it would be? Man, everything. Um, just to be come right after the game and be, being able to get my mom a hug, uh, my sister and my family um, being able to run back home right away and uh, go see grandma while she's still up uh, um, and just being to spend time with them and uh, not going out and going to do stuff with friends, but being able to celebrate the win with family. It's just, 
you don't get these times back in life. And um, as I'm growing older, I just realized what I want more in my life is just to be around the ones I love and celebrate the, my wins with them, honestly. After having played the teams you have, now you're facing a team that's one and two. They are a 23-point underdog, so you are a heavy favorite. How do you keep the same intensity that you've had the first three weeks against a one and two USF team? Uh, I think you check uh, the record books. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure last time we played these guys, they came out and whooped our butts. So it's uh, and uh, with the history of BYU of everyone thinking that oh, we're winning these big games, but come out and take a take a dump against these little teams. Um, it, we just want to come out and show everyone that we are not the past. You know, we are a new team. We're we're our own identity, and we're here to change the. Uh, change some things around in this program and make a better face for this program. So we're, we're taking this team like it's Arizona state, like it's a, a Utah, like it's a Arizona. We're taking this team like it's a Pac-12 team. Like they, we're not sleeping on them. We're preparing just as hard as anyone um, for any game. And uh, yeah, we're just not taking it lightly. So this is a defense speaking of USF that's given up 34 points per game. When you look at the defense on film, what are you guys seeing? What type of defense are you expecting on Saturday? Honestly, this is one of the defenses where it's probably going to be the most hardest to get a read from them just because they run a lot of coverages a lot of that defense coordinator over there loves to mix it up um each game that i've watched the film on um they're not running the same coverages and each they're not bringing over the same coverages he's completely mixing up the whole schemes they're doing so um i think the biggest thing for us in our offense is just sticking to our scheme and knowing what we uh can do and uh sticking to our base plays and uh, sticking to what we can do, running the ball hard down their throat, down anyone's throat, honestly. And uh, then when we do that, open up the pass game and, um, yeah, just sticking to our schemes, really. All right, Samson, let's wrap things up with the final four. What is your favorite BYU uniform combination? Honestly, uh, the first game in Vegas, that that blue right there, seeing it on TV, too, it's so bright. It just sticks out. It's it's something, I don't know, it fits my personality being Brian sticking out. Honestly, I love it. <laughs> it was it was fantastic. And the helmet, the helmet capped it off because BYU's worn that uniform before, but never with the Royal helmet. It, it was an unbelievable look. It looked fantastic. Fantastic! Like you I said. think we need to rock that all year. Honestly, with yeah, that whole blue, everything about it, it was just oh, it, you felt good. The whole stadium felt it too. It was nice. Okay, the song, group, or artist that you were embarrassed to admit that you like. Man, I used to love growing up. I stopped listening to them probably when I hit middle school. But growing up in elementary, I used to love Green Day. I don't know what song I used to listen to. Even this is a sad song. Even though I was a little kid, I used to listen to Boulevard of Broken Dreams, like all of their Green Day songs. Like I don't know why I was heartbroken as a kid, but like I was were, loving. Were you Green like Day a moody teen up. or something? I have no. I was. I was always a happy kid. I've always been happy, but there's something about Green Day. Just I have always loved it. <laughs> okay. Uh, your favorite athlete, past or present, is who? Man, it's got to be Kobe Bryant, honestly, for sure. I mean, that Mamba mentality. Um, probably a new one or uh, a new one is probably McGregor because of his mentality too. But Kobe is just, I don't know, everything he did was dog and working hard and just, you know, being about his sport and giving it 100%. That's just what I love. I'm assuming you saw Conor McGregor's uh, first pitch at the Cubs game the other night, right? Oh, my goodness. I don't, you know. See, luckily, I'm an athlete. I can do it all. But him, you know, he needs to stick to fighting. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he's in the right sport because baseball certainly isn't it. Oh, yeah, that was terrible. Uh, all right, last question, Samson. The best thing about being part of BYU football is what? I think the best thing is uh, our true blue heroes. Um, 
I know we do a lot up at, uh, back there up at the U, but being down here every week, um, it's uh, just getting to experience and uh, be a part of uh, a, a kid's life that they're going through something way harder than what we go through. Um, um, and it just it just makes me so grateful and appreciative of what I'm able to do every day coming out to this field, being able to practice, being able to wake up and uh, just do my daily routines. And um, it's just great to being uh, being a part of these kids' lives and uh, trying to help them get through what they're going through. Sanson, you were an absolute joy to watch play and an even greater joy to talk to. Thank you so much for the time and good luck against USF. Thank you so much. You have a good one. The great Samson Nakua, this week's Shep Talk conversation. All right, coming up next, they aren't just delicious pastries. Riley talks turnovers when we come back. You're tuning to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to your host, Jason Shepard. Shep, Riley Nelson hanging out in Cougar Canyon. Greg Rubel is going to join us coming up in our next segment. We'll visit with the voice coming up, but it's now time for our QB read with Riley. Riley, you want to talk some turnovers. And turnovers, coaches will always tell you, they uh, they usually play a role in the outcome of a game. What do you got for us tonight? Now, before I get into it, I you teased it on the other side of the break Mm -hmm. and in our show notes i put turnovers a recipe for victory so thank you so much picking up on my culinary reference okay see i thought you were picking up on my tease (laughs) but hey here's what it is we were on the same page that's right baby so hold on really quick i gotta know you strike me as an apple guy what's your go-to turnover fruit yeah uh apple would be good i would not turn away a peach yeah especially this time of year yes. That's, see even more on the same okay. page because that was going to be my vote now okay. i want a peach turnover thank you <laughs> listen turnovers go both ways we focus so many times on the offense avoiding mistakes and we're going to talk about how you go about doing that while still maintaining maintaining an aggressive mindset of going out there making plays and scoring but as we've seen last especially last week it what the offense actually for the first time turned the ball over and they turned it over twice one in very memorable i think what will become a historic iconic play in the chase down from tyler algier and getting it right back after an interception from jaron hall but i want to talk about the defense who produced four turnovers last last week and has produced multiple turnovers in every game so far this year the recipe for defensive turnovers as i see it is threefold the first and most important is effort next is technique And then lastly, it's scheme. By effort, I mean most turnovers don't happen by the initial tackler. You need all 11 guys pursuing to the football because it's that second guy, once the initial tackler has got his hands on him, has slowed him up, is bringing him to the ground, it's that second guy who doesn't necessarily have to worry. His primary responsibility no longer has to be get the the ball carrier to the ground. It can be ooh, maybe I can rip at the ball. Maybe I can punch at the ball. Maybe I can do something to cause some havoc. Similarly, on the defensive side, as far as effort goes, running to a ball that's in the air, yeah, you have the primary coverage, but he it's too, it's too high risk to go after trying to pick it off one-on-one. But if you have solid coverage, it's then that help defender, especially in zone defense, that can come over, and as long as the primary defender has good coverage on the ball, he can come over and make a play on the ball and turn it over so that's what we call from effort you need you need pursuit and you need all 11 guys bought in after effort it's technique you need to practice you think tyler algier just 
pulled that uh, that punch out of his out of the bag. No, that these guys practice it. They practice ripping the ball. They practice punching the ball. They practice they practice second defender turnover drills. These are things. It's a technique that's honed over time. And as a player gets more experience, they get better, like any other skill, at performing that skill. And then lastly, it's scheme. You got to dial up. You know, blitzes. You got to get creative from game to game. Given a quarter, try to try and give confusion. Not so much with you know a running back and and fumbles, but as far as generating interceptions. It is largely dependent upon scheme. Are you throwing different blitzes? Are you throwing different pressures? Are you doing different things in the defensive backfield? Because I can't, from being a quarterback, I can tell you that your confidence in executing goes through the roof when the defense does something you've never seen before. Before you move on to, to offense, the defensive side, and I know going into this year, it was an emphasis to force more turnovers. That was something that the defense knew it could do a lot better job of doing, is forcing turnovers. And so they worked on it. They emphasized it. And to be able to see what they've done forcing turnovers this season has been remarkable. And it's completely changed games. It's deflated opponents. And it's allowed BYU, in some cases, to be able to get to those early leads that we were talking about at the beginning of the show. Yeah, it's bottom. It's essentially giving them a buffer. Yeah. It's no longer like, oh, no, the offense you know, had a miscue. Uh, hopefully we can even the score. They've gone out ahead in the race, and they've stayed out ahead in the race. The recipe for offensive avoidance of turnovers is just that. It's, it's actually the antithesis of that. You don't focus on avoidance. Rather, you focus on execution. That's the first and foremost. You focus on making clean play a priority. And you don't say, hey, guys, we're not going to turn the ball over. Rather, you say, hey, guys, we're going to play clean football. One of the, that leads to the set. So making clean football a priority leads to the second point uh, or the second ingredient for turnovers for the offense, or I should say avoidance of turnover, and that is poise. You talk about clean football, a big portion of that is penalties. Worst among them, the worst offender of all penalties are pre-snap penalties because what do they do, especially in the early downs? Most often they put you behind the sticks. And if you're in first and 15, maybe you get a run for only two yards, you have an incomplete on second, now what are you in? You're in third and long. And what is the defense doing? They are licking their chops. They're dialing up a blitz. They're playing games in the defensive secondary. And the quarterback feels pressure to be able to push the ball down the field. And any time the ball is in the air longer, what does that create an opportunity for a defensive player to make a play on it? So that priority of clean play and the poise that that comes from that clean play are the first two foundational ingredients. And then the last, the last uh, ingredient is simply protecting the football and you do that one of two ways you do that by you know having the ball carrier when he knows he's going to get contact covering it you you teach receivers that if they got to go up high for a ball one of the worst things you can do is tip it up so it's a free ball for the defense to go and get there's technique around those things and then similarly to the defense you teach all 11 pursuit if you can have offensive guys around if like it does in a violent game like football with high impact collisions if the ball you know slips out or squeaks out you have offensive players around that increase your chances of recovering that would-be fumble so this BYU team has hit on they are they are baking beautiful delicious scrumptious turnovers that have contributed to this 3-0 start in which they have never trailed and you can only hope that that attitude or that recipe continue well one of the things that you brought up I think is a fantastic point and it basically just comes down to mentality and if you're the coaches instead of saying hey don't turn the ball over if you say let's go out and execute 
you're essentially telling them the same thing, but it's in a more positive, reinforcing way, as opposed to putting in their heads not to turn the ball over. Yeah. I think it's amazing how you're saying the same thing, but if you focus on execution and not saying don't turn the ball over, it's the same thing, but mentally it prepares you different. There may be some kooks out there. Like you rem- We all know that high school football coach who's now at Presbyterian College who never punts. <laughs> there may be some kook out there that somehow bakes purposely turning the ball over into his offense. So under the, in that weird scheme, it... Uh, executing the offense would entail turning the ball over but i have yet to meet that coach so far all offensive coaches that i have met in my 30 some odd years of football has they executing the game plan means keeping the ball on your side and not giving it away to the other team by the way it's no longer presbyterian now they're at bishop sycamore (laughs) that's That's where that's where they that's where they are now all right coming up next we will visit with the voice he is here he is ready to give you all the latest information. He is the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, and he joins us next. Cougar pregame live, rolling on, on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Jason Shepard and Riley Nelson for more Cougar pregame live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back. Cougar pregame live presented by Mountain America Credit Union, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Joining us now, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Greg, how are you, my friend? Doing well. Great to be back for game three of this three-game run here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Yeah, we, we found out officially Monday that Keenan Peely, done for the year, tore his ACL, Horrible news for him. He's going to have surgery in a couple of weeks. So we know he's not going to play tonight. Right. There's been a lot of talk, a lot of speculation about the quarterback position for BYU. What can you tell us in terms of personnel for tonight's game against USF? Well, there's two phases of pregame warm-ups. There's the non-padded phase and then the padded phase. Uh, Jaron Hall's not part of the active non-padded phase right now. And the word from Kalani was, in our conversation a few moments ago, again, this is officially from Kalani what he said. He said, we'll see how they look in pregame. The closer we get to it, there's probably a good chance it could be 50-50. And he said, I'll just let A-Rod make that decision from pregame. So A-Rod's going to decide here very soon uh, whether it's going to be Baylor Romney or not to start the game tonight. Uh, Jaron Hall banged up uh, again at the end of late last week. And again, not part of the early warm-up phase. And whether or not he comes out dressed in the second phase, we'll see shortly. But uh, at least from Kalani officially, what they want to say right now is it could be a 50-50 call which means it'll be up to A-Rod and Kalani to make that decision official here shortly. Uh, Other personnel notes of note, offensively, you could see Joe Tukuafu get his first start at right guard. It's been a kind of a season-long competition between he uh, and Connor Pay at that right guard spot. Connor started the first three games. It could be Joe gets a nod. Uh, to to start at right guard tonight. So take a look at that if that indeed transpires. Defensively, I wouldn't expect to see Tyler Batty or Nice Mahe, a couple of starters on the D line, and Isaiah Heron, who replaced Keenan Peely or Keenan Ellis, beg your pardon, at corner. He may see his spot uh, taken by Caleb Hayes tonight to start the game. You could see some more of Chaz uh, playing some linebacker. Uh, he can kind of do both, and of course they're down a backer with Keenan Peely going out. This could be the night we see. George Udo returned to the lineup as Ammon Hanneman may see more snaps at safety and George Udo could factor at safety as well. So My neighbor, are... a- Ammon Hanneman, by the way, lives right behind me. 
I'll see him at church tomorrow. Well, and I hope you get to tell him good game <laughs> after tonight. Hope it goes that way for him. So those are kind of the main personnel notes after chatting with Kalani. And, again, most of the attention is focused on the quarterback, and we'll know soon, we'll know soon enough how that thing is going to look. Um, but, uh, you know, clearly if it's, if it's going to be Baylor, uh, there's a great deal of confidence and comfort in his performance abilities. We've seen it before. Uh, for the record, he's only started two games, but 2-0 uh, in those starts. BYU won both games back in 2019 with Baylor under center. Greg, this BYU team does not get a bye week until November. What sense do you – and, uh, look, it's a phrase made popular on social media, all gas, no breaks, and all that. But what sense do you get about preparation for this game? Are they going to take the opportunity to maybe get some second stringers a little bit more to allow – to allow the after the gauntlet of these first three games against three P5 Pac-12 opponents to allow maybe some rest and recovery? Or is this going to be – pedal down it feels like that would be a late decision today because i get the sense from kalani if not pitching a perfect game he wants to see byu be sharp for 60 like really sharp i think they feel that even though they got to three and zero, there are enough things to clean up that they'll get the chance to do tonight and only if and only then i think would they look uh you know to that other angle um i think last week was the tough week i thought byu through two weeks was actually doing pretty well and when it comes to the gauntlet of three P5s, last week was the one that really kind of hit you hard, and we're kind of seeing the after effect of that now. Um, so, you know, get the game one, uh, be as clean as possible, and then maybe you do see a little bit more depth come in. Certainly that's a comfortable situation to be in. And the way the first weeks, three weeks have gone, Riley, your point's well taken. If you can get any guys some rest uh, with Kalani content that they played a clean game, then, yeah, you'd want to do that. When we had Jim Lauk on, the play-by-play guy for USF, he said if there's going to be any revenge factor, it's certainly in all likelihood would come from the BYU side just because there's so many new guys on USF that weren't there in 2019. This whole week I've, I've kind of tried to downplay the revenge side of this, but BYU players have brought it up. How much of a factor yeah. do you think that is? Yeah, the, well, the fact that the coaches and players are acknowledging it, you know, lets you know this one kind of stuck, and it really did. I mean, that, that, that was a year where BYU by the end of the year – you felt there were probably you know two to three games kind of given away, and that was one of them. Uh, a nine-point lead going into the fourth quarter. It was a game Jaron Hall left injured, and I think once Jaron left, the tone of the game changed. Uh, Baylor made plays, but the team didn't make enough. There, I think BYU made maybe eight trips inside the 35 that night uh, for maybe a, a touchdown on a couple of field goals. It was a very low-efficiency night in scoring territory, and it did stick with a lot of the guys. Uh, it felt one, one truly felt given away. The flip side of it is BYU came back the next week and took on a ranked Boise State team with Baylor, <laughs> Baylor. Romney starting, and they got that win. <laughs> so as tough as it was then, that was an immediate bounce back after a really tough week in Tampa. What I remember from Tampa is our, our night before the game experience, Riley, at the restaurant. We went to this amazing steakhouse in Burns. Tampa. Yeah, Shout we, out. I think it was like a three-hour dinner. Um, was it multiple courses? It, oh, it was mul- multiple rooms, actually. <laughs> and and the way the game went, that's my best memory from that weekend. So, yeah. yeah. Just so everybody... Not seeing the pirate ship? <laughs> just so uh, we'll set expectations. Most of the time, Greg and I and Mitch, we're trying to find like a Subway or a Chipotle. That's normally what we dine. Tampa was a unique experience. Well, it was, yeah, it was certainly, uh, certainly unique. Don't want anybody out there thinking we're getting four-star, you know, <laughs> yeah. di- dining We were living it up that night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, last thing, Greg. What does success look like? 
quarterback tonight for BYU. You, you, you may you may have a backup quarterback. We don't know at this point. You're a 23 and a half point favorite. You're down a couple guys defensively. What does success look like? It, it had been a long, long time since BYU last won three straight games with 27 or fewer points. It's been decades. So I, I think tonight's the night you expect with the with with the kind of defenses BYU just faced in Utah and and, and Arizona State. I think you expect that number to get up into the 30s, if not beyond. So to me, a, a, a good night would be, you know, 30s or beyond in terms of scoring. And if you can keep that number where it's been in the teens or lower for BYU, that's what I'd like to see tonight against USF. Greg, you are a gentleman and a scholar. I appreciate the time as always. Thank you for the information. We will let you go. Riley, we will let you go. Thank you so much for your help as well. Uh, we'll uh, hear from both of you coming up in just a little bit. Thank you, Shep. There we go. Greg Rubel and Riley Nelson, when we come back, Going to talk with Mitchell Jurgens. He'll be roaming the sidelines tonight. He's going to roam this table that we're broadcasting from in just a few moments. This Cougar pregame live continues on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Jason Shepard and Riley Nelson for more Cougar pregame live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Cougar pregame live presented by Mountain America Credit Union, the official credit union of BYU Athletics Cougars. Hosting the Bulls of South Florida, we are live on the west side of Lavelle Edwards Stadium, coming to you from Cougar Canyon. If you're out and about, still a great crowd as people filing into Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And joining me now, somebody who will be on the sidelines tonight, former BYU receiver, our sideline reporter, he is Mitchell Jurgens. What's up, Mitch? How are you? Doing good, Jason. It's uh, you know you mentioned Rome on the sidelines. It's been a fun couple games <laughs> on the sidelines. Yes, so. it has. Well, look. Look, it was going to be even more exciting going from last year to this year just with the fans. Yeah. Then on top of it, the type of games and the crowds that have been involved in this, this has probably been your best three-game span <laughs> with that. No, it's been great. I mean, this is this is the start that BYU fans always hope for. But, man, they, you know, it, they're almost making um, making up for lost uh, right. lost presence, um, not being in the stadium, and they're—I mean—we're hearing it, so it's uh, it's a fun time. So we thought maybe at this point of the pregame show, we would know exactly who the starting quarterback is. As of right now, we still do not know if it's going to be Jared Hall, if it's going to be Baylor Romney. If there is a change at quarterback, how does it change the offense if Baylor is the guy versus Jaron tonight? Yeah, honestly, not too much. Um, you know, what we've seen Aaron Roderick do this season, um, calling these plays, it's, it's been pretty remarkable. Um, I mean, it's there's so much variety to the plays that are being called. Um, but when we look at Jaron Hall as he stepped in, I mean, he's considered a dual-threat quarterback, but we haven't seen too much of that dual-threat design, right? There haven't been too many... Um, you know, quarterback runs, design quarterback runs. Um, you know, I go back to 2014, 2015, when Taysom was the quarterback to start the season. When he goes down, it's a little bit more of a change, right? Uh, because he was a true, uh, I mean, there were so many design runs, draw plays, um, where Taysom had the ball in his hands and he was so lethal with his legs. Um, but even then, there wasn't too much to change. Um, going to this season, it's less. Um, you know, even going back to last season, Zach Wilson, um, the transition from Zach to Jaron, now to Baylor, um, it, it's a very. It's I anticipate a very similar style of offense. The one thing that could potentially change is so far what's happened. You know, BYU's been off to a slow start offensively, and it, what we what I've noticed. Aaron Roddick start to do is to get Jaron out on the run because that's where he's more comfortable um, throwing out of the pocket. Um, you know, Baylor's a, a very calm, he's good in the pocket. And so we could see um, a, a little bit more, uh, less 
um, out-of-pocket designs where he's throwing on the run. Uh, But that could be... Even if Jaron doesn't run, the fact that he can run keeps defenses honest. It does. And and so that's where we could see that change. Um, But again, right, I, I think Riley even said this in the broadcast last week, he's a Romney. He's right. got the genes in him, so if he has to take off, I have confidence that you know he's he's not a. I don't think he's a five zero forty kind of guy. Um, who, who knows? Maybe he is, but uh, I mean he's a Romney. Hopefully, hopefully he can uh, uh, scramble for a few when he needs to. But uh, but yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I don't think there's going to be too much change here. Okay, so we we talked about the crowds and just how amazing they've been from from a noise level standpoint. After the Utah game, heard Kyle Whittingham say it's the loudest he's ever heard Lavelle Edwards mm-hmm. Stadium as a coach or as a player. Last week, all of the BYU players said it's the loudest they'd ever heard it. We certainly know it affected Arizona State in terms of false starts and, and several penalties. How much of an impact has that been in these home games, and how much do you expect it to continue to be tonight against a team that's playing the latest kickoff game ever <laughs> they've ever played? In history, In right? their program yeah. history. Um, no, it's it's going to be. I mean, it's such an advantage here. For a long time, you've almost, I've almost waited for this true home field advantage, and and BYU showing that they have it now, and and the crowd noise is such an impact. Um, you know, I go back to my playing days, and and, and there are times when stadiums get super loud. Um, you can't ignore it, right? It, you know, it's, it, it takes a good athlete, a composed athlete, to, to be able to hear the noise, drain it out, and, and still stay focused on what the task is. Um, but when it's super loud, it is distracting. You notice it, and it's up to you to respond to that. The other thing that, that the noise does is it, it makes every single moment seem like a huge, big, impactful moment. And as a player, if that's for four quarters... I mean, there's a lot of pressure on these players to perform in these huge third-down moments when the noise is just at a level that is almost like they've never heard it before. Um, And and so, I mean, shout-out to BYU Nation in the stadium because they've played such an impact. Um, I can see it being a a huge factor in tonight's game as well, just carrying from that energy and momentum we've had in in the last couple games. All right, let's talk efficiency offensively, specifically in the red zone. BYU has gone 10 for 10, and that includes eight touchdowns. What do you attribute the increased efficiency to? Is it scheme? Is it mindset? Is it something else? Yeah, number one, and I mentioned it earlier, Aaron Roderick, right? He is calling. I mean, the he's a brilliant mind behind the offense. The scheme has been incredible. Um, but what he's done there, and this is kind of the second point of what I see being the success of, of uh, or what's what's led to their success, is he has so many weapons at different positions to call upon. Um, it's not just a, a stud quarterback and running back. I mean, the receivers are more stacked than we've ever seen. Um, the tight ends are are incredibly reliable. Um, down to the backs, to I mean, Mason Wake. I mean, there's there's really no hole in that offense. And so, as an offensive coordinator, it opens up the playbook tremendously. And so, whatever's flowing in that t- in that moment, I mean, it, it just expands every single. Um, play that you could pot- you could potentially call upon in those moments, and it mixes it up, has the defense on their heels, and, and they don't really know what to expect, right? Um, and, and so that's that's one of the huge things I see. The other thing is BYU is establishing a winning culture. Um, and when I say winning culture, I mean offensively dating back to last year, they're getting used to scoring points as the norm, right? And so once they've been there, they know how to get the ball across. If you date back to you know a couple seasons ago where it wasn't as common to um, see that type of success. It's it's a hurdle you've got to get over, um, and so they're they're 
building that winning culture, um, and it's becoming so much more habitual to put the ball in, in the end zone when they get into the red zone. Well, let's let's talk about that culture. Let's continue that theme. BYU right now obviously has won three in a row. They're 3-0 and on the season, all three wins over P5 teams, two of which were ranked at the time. Now you have a 1-2 and two USF team, and maybe maybe this is where that culture comes in and it, and it kind of takes over and keeps you from overlooking. But how do you keep, as a player, I mean, you, mm-hmm. you faced teams that you knew you were supposed to beat. You're a 23.5-point favorite. How do you keep the same intensity against a 1-2 and two team that you had against your rival and against a, you know, a, a team that was ranked ahead of you? How do you do that? Yeah, so, I mean, the first thing is individually as a player, this is one of those games where you're licking your chops, and, and this is a game to, you know, really – the competition should be a little bit less than what they've seen, and I can go in and dominate um, as an individual performer. Um, and, and so that's kind of the biggest thing um, from an individual mindset. Um, but to, to touch on, go two years back, right, this is viewed as a revenge game. I was even, uh, you know, doing post game um, down at field level in the locker room area um, last week, People were already talking about getting revenge on USF next week, and I thought that was, you know, really cool. Right? Is yes, they beat ASU. It was a big win. It was an awesome atmosphere and environment. But the mind had already shifted, and and I think the players have the right mindset here. Is this is a it's a game. It's a chance to go four zero in September, and they're going to take every opportunity. Um, the last thing, this is a fifteenth ranked BYU team, um, a chance to really. Um, you know, turn some heads in the polls yep. if you blow out, um, you know, come in and, and just look dominant for four quarters. Um, and so if they can do that, I think that's enough fire to say, look, this is not just a, a one that we're going to come in um, lackadaisical. It's let's show up, show, you know, the world who BYU is and, and, and see that uptick in the polls if, if it comes out with a win. All right, before you head back into the stadium, your biggest key for success tonight for BYU, uh, give, me, give me a key on offense and defense. Yeah, so um, number one, and I guess this goes to both, right? Um, win the line of scrimmage. Um, we've seen some dominant football um, across the line of scrimmage. Going, going back to, to Utah, I mean, it was, it, it was a full quarter, a full four-quarter dominance on the line of scrimmage. Last week against Arizona State, we didn't see as much of that until late in the fourth quarter, uh, or late in the third and fourth quarter, offensively. And so I want to see, um, you know, them dominate that line of scrimmage um, on both sides of the ball, uh, which is going to be a huge key today. Um, the other thing is, I, I want to see a consistent four quarters. Up to this date, we haven't seen um, BYU play um, consistently good football back to back to back to back quarters. Um, there've been, you know, they flopped some, they've won some, and. At, if, if they can start fast in this first quarter, I think that sets the tone for the rest of the game. I think that's going to be a huge factor, especially against USF, a favorable matchup um, where they can put together four quarters of consistent, clean football uh, to display that dominance that they want to see. Yeah, in all three games, the opponents have made runs in the third quarter. Yep, coming, out of, coming out of the locker room, those have been where the opponents have been able to find their run. So I agree with you, uh, being able to keep up that same intensity that you start the game with, that you have in that second quarter when you've blown teams out, and then obviously in the fourth quarter when you need those big stops or those drives that seal games, you cannot have that one quarter where it allows the other team to get in, then then you're blowing teams out, and then you get that type of win you were talking about where you have this big-time win that everybody takes notice of, even though it's a team you should beat. Exactly, exactly. And, and if I have to just add one more thing, um, that's always going to be a key, and they've done pretty well so far, is win the turnover margin. Yep. If you can win that, you, you're setting yourself up for success. All right, speaking, since uh, since Riley and I were talking about this in uh, a couple of seconds, turnovers. 
the pastry itself. Yep. Your go-to flavor is it apple, peach. <laughs> we you got, know, you got I'm, a I'm not much of a pastry guy. I'm, I, this is this is kind of unorthodox, but uh, my dessert, any kind of dessert, mm-hmm. you can't put fruit on it. No fruit. I'm, uh, I if I eat my fruit, it's got to be separate. Okay. Okay. Can't combine it okay. with a pastry. It okay. Just, it d- doesn't work for me. It's fine. Look, we all have our things. So uh, we all have our things. Look, I've got mine. And uh, I'm not going to divulge them uh, with thousands of people listening, uh, but there we go. So I will remember if I do get you if I do get you a pastry, no fruit on top. Exactly, it's got to be some sort of chocolate pastry, I guess. Okay, so. we'll do it. All there right, we go, Mitch. Great stuff as always. We'll hear you on the broadcast coming up uh, with Greg and Riley. Thanks, Jason. There we go. When we come back, which NFL starting quarterback does Jaron Hall remind the USF defense of? That's coming up next on Cougar Pregame Live on the New Skin BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to your host, Jason Shepard. Cougar Pregame Live is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, the official credit union of the BYU Cougars. Getting you ready for BYU and South Florida. Earlier this week, South Florida head coach Jeff Scott, who's in year two at the helm of the Bulls, met with the media and the USF coaches have looked at all four non-conference games as a feeling out process before AAC play begins in week five for them. And Coach Scott said he's very pleased with the running backs who really have carried the USF offense through the first three games. Probably uh, one of the areas I'm most pleased with within our offense, uh, the offensive line and then the running backs. I think, um, you know, kind of going into the season, we were uh, thinking we might be a little bit more ahead at quarterback and wide out. And as we've gotten in the season, it kind of turned the other way. And uh, those guys have uh, been really consistent, and I think it was great to see you know Betty out there healthy and and getting some opportunities. And you know he's a he's a different speed when he was out there. Uh, that's one thing that kind of uh, stands out. He's got to continue to work on his his ball security. We got really fortunate on one of those fumbles there early in the game. Uh, but he's a guy I think that uh, you know really can add a, an element for us offensively. Uh, and then I think Kelly Joyner is kind of you know in that very similar mode to him. Uh, as more of a speed guy and then you look at our bigger guys uh, with Mangum I'm really proud of him and really just you know him coming from the outside being a transfer and and uh, you know he was kind of the last guy on the depth chart when he showed up and he's really earned his way up there and as as a coach when you have a new guy coming in especially a transfer you know you want to see them earn the opportunities that they get and, and let the team know that they've earned it and and that's what I've seen I'm seeing some leadership out of him on the sidelines and him pulling and cheering for the other backs whenever they're in there uh, so, you know, really pleased uh, with what I've seen from him. And, uh, you know, I really like that group. I think we're going to need all four of those guys as the year goes. It's a long year, a lot of opportunity. Uh, but those guys have definitely uh, produced here early on. While Coach Scott has been pleased with the running back, something to pay attention to tonight if you're watching or listening to the game is the wide receivers for the Bulls. That's an area where Coach Scott says if the offense is going to take the strides he wants them to take, the receivers are going to have to be much more consistent. I think we have a, a lot of potential in the receiver room, a little bit of it. Uh, it's, it's been a, a little bit on, on uh, both groups, the quarterbacks and the wideouts. And obviously as you're kind of we're rolling different quarterbacks, trying to give guys different opportunities, and we're rolling a lot of wide receivers. And, and that's kind of, again, that's kind of our philosophy going into these first four non-conference games is to give as many guys opportunities as we can, and, and we really have to kind of get focused uh, as we get ready to go on the road uh, at SMU the next week for the first conference game to really kind of know 
you know, what our first group is, what our second group is, and, and be able to go kind of play the season there. Um, but, yes, there's no doubt. I mean, we've, we've made, we have made some plays. It was nice to see uh, Weaver uh, there and Timmy uh, hit on that nice touchdown pass uh, down there in the red zone. That, that's something that we can build off of. Uh, but I definitely feel like we have a, a lot of potential from what I've seen in practice uh, throughout spring and also fall camp uh, from that w- wide receiver room. I think right now what we're finding out is, um, you know, until we get the consistency uh, that we really need uh, throwing the ball, that we can really lean on that running game to, to keep us more on schedule. And I think uh, eventually that the passing game is going to catch up, and that's really ultimately when our offense will have a chance to take off to, to uh, reach our full potential. Well, the Timmy that Coach Scott was referring to, obviously freshman quarterback Timmy McLean got his first start as a USF Bull at uh, quarterback last week in the win, the first and only win for USF. And Coach Scott said he's pleased with what he's seen from the freshman QB. Timmy in his first start, uh, you know, he did a lot of good things. Uh, and then as a, as a true freshman quarterback in his first start, uh, he, he also had some mistakes and things that he needs to, to clean up, I think. You know, the biggest thing for him is uh, he wants to do everything really fast, and and uh, sometimes that's good, and then there's other times that you just need to kind of relax in the pocket and uh, let the plays develop and, and, and deliver the ball. And uh, so some of his mistakes were him just kind of rushing, going through his progression a little too fast and, and rushing the ball there. Um, but, you know, overall, uh, I think we kind of can see glimpses of, uh, you know, what we can do offensively uh, whenever he's in control and in command. And, uh, I mean, he's a guy... We've already seen it here in the, the, the last two games, but you know he, he's a guy that's just going to get better and better uh, the more reps he gets and more opportunities uh, he gets, and and uh, so this could potentially be a, a big opportunity going on the road. It's going to be extremely loud uh, at BYU, and that'll be a, another experience for him. Let's move forward on to Coach Scott's thoughts on BYU. First, his thoughts on the Cougar defense. We look like grown men. <laughs> I mean, just honestly, they are big and strong. I mean, there's, you know, usually whenever you look at a defense, um, you know, you kind of, uh, one thing I always like to do is chart the big plays that they give up and see if there's kind of a common denominator, like one or two players that gives up the big plays, and that kind of gives you somebody to go after. Uh, But you don't really see that uh, through these three games. I mean, they are very, very sound and just super aggressive and, they know their scheme inside and out. So you got to give their coaches a lot of credit because they do a lot of things. From our side, we look at it. There's a lot of stuff to prepare for, but they, they know what they're doing. Uh, I think they've had a lot of experience. Um, and just, again, I knew they were going to be big and physical. What I wa- wasn't uh, aware of until I turned the video on is how fast they are. I mean, they got linebackers, you know, beating running backs to the edges and just go, wow, <laughs> that kid right there can run. And uh, so it definitely it's going to create uh, situations where we have to be very precise uh, in what we do, uh, trying to run the ball and throw in the ball. Their linebackers are very, very patient, sit in windows. They play uh, the zone stuff very, very well. So uh, it'll be a, a great uh, next challenge for us. Come on, we were all thinking it. When he said grown men, we all thought he was going to the age card, and he didn't. So I think I speak for everyone when I say, Coach Scott, thank you so much for not going to the age card. Our last cut from Coach Scott is about BYU quarterback Jaron Hall. Now, whether or not he plays tonight at this point, we still do not know. Regardless, it was too good of a quote not to use. Here's Coach Scott. 
Yeah, everybody was excited uh, when the guy graduated last year. Uh, so, you know, that's all everybody told me. Hey, they lost their quarterback. You guys are going to be good. And this guy, uh, I think Coach Spencer describes him as a faster ba- Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I mean, that's what he looks like. He can really run. Uh, he throws the ball uh, extremely well. I think they've thrown, uh, you know, you think of BYU running the football with the big running back that they have that's very talented. Uh, but I think they've thrown eight touchdown passes and ran – ran two touchdowns in so uh with, with a first year quarterback coming in uh i think i think uh, reading up on them that they're further ahead than maybe where they expected or other people expected them to be and i think a lot of it has to do uh, with the quarterback and a few of those uh weapons at wide out all right that's head coach jeff scott head coach of usf we'll take a break we come back we'll check out some other action in college football some upsets in the top 25 we'll hit on those before we wrap things up and send it up to the broadcast booth this is cougar pregame live on the new skin byu sports network you're tuned to cougar pregame live on the new skin byu sports network now back to your host, Jason Shepard. Final segment of Cougar Pregame Live, presented by Mountain America Credit Union, the official credit union of BYU of the BYU Cougars. Let's get you caught up on some other scores going on today in college football. We will start, as we always do, in the top 25. Games going on right now, three minutes to go in the third quarter, and it is 11th-ranked Florida, 10 better than Tennessee at 24 to 14. Nebraska and number 20, Michigan State, all tied up at 13 apiece. Number 25, Kansas State in big, big trouble at Oklahoma State. Cowboys with a 31-13 lead with five minutes to go in the third quarter. Could be an upset in the top 25 there. Southern Miss, not going to be an upset here. They trail at number one, Alabama, 42-7. Number four, Oklahoma, trailing by three to West Virginia. It is 10-7 in favor of West Virginia. That also in the third quarter at the half. Ohio State leading Akron, 38-7. Third quarter action, number 21, North Carolina, trailing at Georgia Tech. It is 13-7 in favor of Tech. Some finals. Number two, Georgia over Vandy, 62 to nothing. Number five, Iowa takes down Colorado State, 24-14. Penn State over Villanova, 38-17. Arkansas upsets Texas A&M, 20-10. A final in double overtime. NC State upsets number nine, Clemson, 27-21. Notre Dame over Wisconsin, 41-13. Baylor upsets 14th-ranked Iowa State, 31 to 29. That is going to do it. Coming up next, it is the Zions Bank Cougar Pregame Coaches Show with Greg Rubel and Kalani Satake. You're listening to BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. It's time to preview today's matchup with head coach Kalani Satake. It's the Cougar Pregame Coaches Show presented by Zions Bank. For banking that helps you game plan for life, Zions Bank is for you. Also brought to you by Big O Tires. Stop by a local Big O Tires for no credit needed financing. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Let's join Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Good evening once again, Cougar football fans. And on this first Saturday of fall, welcome inside Lavelle Edwards Stadium on the BYU campus in Provo, Utah. As the first month of the college football season draws to a close, 
with the Cougars looking to go 4-0 in back-to-back seasons for the first time in program history. Tonight's opponent is the first non-P5 foe of this year, the 1-2 and two Bulls of South Florida. My name is Greg Rubel, and I'll have tonight's play-by-play. With me for commentary is the slinging, scrambling Southpaw himself, the former BYU signal caller Riley Nelson. And uh, Riley, one of the challenges of three straight P5s to open the season is the distinctly physical nature of that challenge. And while BYU did go 3-0, and the Cougars got pretty banged up. And last week was a particularly rough week. Numerous players uh, were sidelined, including defensive uh, back, uh, linebacker uh, Keenan Peely, who's out for the season. On the other side of the ball, it's all about Jaron Hall, and his health woes continue. He left last week's game with a torso injury. He's not out to warm up tonight. Uh, he's finished only two of his five career starts thus far, and now uh, BYU's on this undefeated run to start the season. Hall appears to be, as he's not warming up, a sideline for tonight, and his well-being will now be a matter of kind of week-to-week management Indeed, a special season uh, just might hinge on how many of BYU's best players are available every week. And, well, we know that uh, at least at the, by this appearance right now, Riley, that uh, Jaron Hall would not be available tonight. So uh, I had the good fortune when I was a player here at BYU. Another lefty who liked to run around gave me some good advice. I wish I would have followed it more closely or obeyed it more diligently. It was uh, had an opportunity to have a brief conversation with, of course, Steve Young, who told me that the best ability is availability. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jaron, who has a, has a similar style of play to my own, uh, has is struggling with injuries, so my heart goes out to him. I was in there in that position. Hopefully this is minor. I think when you look at tonight's matchup, it's one that BYU feels comfortable going. i got to imagine he was in a situation where if he absolutely needed to have gone, he could have, but they're being wise, letting him rest, recuperate, and get back to full strength as quickly as possible. So with Jaron Hall seemingly unavailable tonight, we'll get the official word, at least what Kalani was expecting about an hour ago. BYU would turn to Baylor Romney, who last week came in at the very end of the game to help BYU win that game. He lofted a third-down touchdown pass to Isaac Rex with just over a minute to play. He's helped BYU to wins before. He's 2-0 in his only starts, and I don't think there's anyone on the team who doubts Baylor's ability to come in and play well. He's not Jaron Hall, but he doesn't have to be for BYU, hopefully, to beat USF. The hope is that a week of rest will have Hall better and better ready for a strenuous October schedule. But uh, with the nature of his injury and the way Jaron plays, maybe it's not the only week you need someone else behind center. We shall see, but it's good to have Baylor back there at any rate. Coming up next, you'll hear what Kalani Sitake has to say about his quarterback situation. We may have a special guest join the pregame show as well. As we continue our pregame preview, this is the Zions Bank Cougar Pregame Coaches Show. For banking that helps you game plan for life, Zions Bank is for you. Kalani's interview is coming up next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. The Cougar Pregame Coaches Show continues once again. Here's the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. You are listening live as we come your way from Lavelle Edwards Stadium for a fourth straight week to start the season. BYU kicks off between 8 and 8.30 Mountain Time. The visitors from South Florida playing a game with a kickoff after 10 p.m. Eastern Time. 
For the first time in their program history, BYU and USF meeting tonight for a second time all-time. USF won the first meeting in Tampa almost two years ago, a game in which Jaron Hall started but left the game injured. Baylor Romney came in, but he and the Cougs fell short as a third-quarter lead was erased and BYU lost 27-23. Here now, two years later, BYU and USF meet again with Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney, still the two QBs in play for the Cougs. And again, Romney will be filling in for Hall. That's the storyline as of right now. I talked with Kalani about his team's quarterback situation. Now, this was about, uh, uh, let's say, an hour ago in the Cougar locker room. So as of an hour ago, the Cougs had yet to warm up. Okay, since then, they have warmed up, and Jaron Hall's not a part of the warm-ups. And so we believe that Jaron Hall will not be playing, and Baylor Romney will be getting that start. But as of an hour ago, here's what Kalani had to say about his team's quarterback situation and tonight's showdown with South Florida. We talked a short time ago in the locker room. Well, we'll see how they look in pregame to begin with. Um, the closer we get to it, there's probably a good chance that it could be 50-50 one or the other. I mean, that's uh, we're, we're prepared to see. I just let A-Rod make that decision from pregame. Okay. Uh, beyond that, uh, you're going to be down maybe a couple of guys uh, that you had last week defensively? Yeah, we'll be down a couple of uh, D linemen. Um, and, and the, the, I think they, if you ask them, they could go. But uh, just I have a rule that if you can't practice uh, really a couple of days in the week, then I don't know how you're going to be ready for the game. And I don't want to put them in harm's way. So what kind of week of practice was it, those things notwithstanding? It was a good week. A lot of, a lot of great focus. A lot of guys, um, you know, we, we had to add some new things, uh, obviously, to replace Keenan. Um, so we'll see how it looks. But for, for the most part, I was really pleased with the guys' focus, with the, with the team and what they're trying to accomplish. We really feel like we need to play at our best. We, we still haven't felt like we've done that the first three weeks, and, and we're fortunate to be 3-0. and But we would like to get to a position where we feel like, okay, this is, this is who we are, kind of um, what we look like a little bit from last year as well. Is there an area or areas where you want to see uh, improvement over the last three weeks, which were wins? Well, I mean, take care of the football still, as always. Uh, I think we have the right energy and effort. Uh, focus on the fundamentals of the game. Uh, those are things that we're, we're, we're looking at the little things I think could really help elevate us. I, I know there's a, there's a lot of guys that are still kind of brand new to the game, but this is the fourth week now. There's really no more ex- excuses. It's all everybody's veterans now, so we've got to get going. And, and playing the Simon Sound football is what I want to see. I don't want to see any miscommunication or any big-time miscues. They're going to make plays. I I think uh, South Florida is going to give us their best shot tonight. We need to make sure that that we do the same. Yeah, what do you expect from a team that, you know, hasn't won an FBS game in a long, long time? Um, They're struggling for some kind of continuity and positive results. What do they show you that uh, says, hey, this is not a team you can look past? It's a good test for us because they they have nothing to lose. So we have to be uh, ready for everything, you know, and whether it's trick plays or whether it's something that we haven't seen uh, from them in the, in, earlier in the season from the first three games, but uh, we just need to be ready for it all. But I, I think the focus more has got to be on what we have to do as a team. And as a, I thought we've played some some phases and some, some parts of minutes in games where we've been really good, but I could see 60 strong minutes from us tonight. Different players on their team, some at least, and different coaching staff. But um, d- does what happened in 2019 get talked about, get brought up, get thought about, have anything in, in, in play in terms of prep for tonight? Probably just for the guys that played in that game. I, I think there's a lot of guys that haven't played in it, but uh, I think there's a lot of guys that want to, want to get that win. And uh, there's guys on that South Florida uh, you know, team that, that were part of that, that win. So uh, 
we, we respect what South Florida is going to do and what they what they do as a program. We can see some of the things that Jeff Scott's trying to get done with the program. But uh, again, focus is on us right now. Just like we've tried to do the first three games, I just hope it shows tonight. What are some things you're most pleased about in uh, getting to three and zero at this point, Kalani? I just love the culture of the team. I, I love the camaraderie, the connection, and and even through some adversity, you see these guys really connect and bond together. It's even stronger. So uh, that that's a good sign. I, I cr- give a lot of credit to the to leadership and to the assistant coaches for for allowing the players that opportunity to lead and and to grow closer together. And I love their connection to the fans. Um, the, the the fans have been amazing. We're, we're hoping to to entertain them tonight. I think they deserve to see us at our best, and hopefully we can get that done. Let's circle back to quarterback for a second. If it ends up being Baylor to start the game tonight. Uh, what level of comfort do you, coaches, teammates have uh, in, in Baylor to get the job done? Well, we feel really comfortable with him, obviously, from last week, being able to um, have the playbook still open. And, and uh, it's nice to have a guy that, that has experience also in playing big-time games. And, and so the stage isn't too big for him. He's got a great uh, uh, sense of poise and composure. I think he'll get the team right on the offensive side. Um, and the guys really want to rally and play well for him. So uh, if it's his shot tonight, then, then uh, let's see let's see him do his thing and uh you know i know he's excited for this game he's prepped really well all week and so really looking forward to seeing all of our guys play baylor included whether it's quarterback d-line linebacker uh you're going to need depth and you're having to need depth and this is something that you endeavored to produce when you came over here and five six years in you you feel like you're probably stronger than you've been in the ability to go deeper in your lineup yeah we we knew that that would be uh, something that we need to improve on the team is the depth and when we say improve the depth is develop them and get them better I mean understanding the game understanding the schemes and keeping things as simple as we can so that they can elevate their level of play and play at a fast le- a fast level I just don't want our guys to think too much right now and so we've, we've had a few things there but I think it's going back to the basics I want to see our guys play really well fundamentally in the game block well tackle well have great en- energy and um, I think if we do that we'll be fine Finally, Coach, it's a third straight home game, and clearly this home ground, home crowd has a good thing going for you guys right now. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're so electric, and, and they, they never, I mean, they, they never fail. They always come through and, and even surprise us at moments. And so uh, we're hoping to, to get this place rocking and, and to do it behind the, the Rowdy Rock and to do it behind our, our wonderful fans. We love Cougar Nation, and like I said, I hope, I hope we can get it done for them tonight. Well, Jimmer Fredette's going to be in the building. Hopefully you can, uh, can Jimmer this one and get South Florida. Hey, love love having Hall of Famers come through and, and, and legends. And so we're, we're really excited about the, the people that, that have, have spent a lot of time and energy in building this athletic department. And so, Jimmer, we're excited to see him. All right. Thank you, Kalani. Thanks for the preview. Good luck against South Florida. We'll talk to you post-game. Let's go. Have some fun. That is BYU head coach Kalani Sitake. And we end the interview with Kalani talking about Jimmer. And we continue talking about and with Jimmer inducted into the BYU Athletic Hall of Fame, part of the class of 21. It went in last night. Amy Menelov Otis, Carrie Summerhays Roberts, Brian Banks, Gabe Merrill, and the aforementioned Jimmer Fredette, the class of 2021. Jimmer, great to see you again. Yeah, it's good to be here, Greg. Thanks for having me on. It's always fun to be up here with you guys. And congratulations to you and uh, and your fellow Cougars for going in last night. That was awesome. It was. It was a special night for sure. I mean, my fellow inductees, they were awesome uh, at the microphone. They were so gracious, and uh, it was a special night. I had my whole family there, both, both sides, and 
and uh, a lot of my teammates and uh, coaching staff. So, I mean, it was super fun. It's great to have you with this game, but we find out that you've been to almost as many games as Riley and I have this year. <laughs> yep. You've been to pretty much every one except one. Yep, I've been to every one except the Arizona State game last week. We took a week off. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it's been incredible. I've I've been enjoying being home a little bit longer so I can watch some more football because I love BYU football, football in general. So it's been fun to see these games and see the stadium and see the rock going. It's been awesome. It's uh, so hard for me to believe uh, that your last game in a BYU uniform was a decade ago. It's crazy. Because it feels like, like like the connection's just been so strong over the yeah. 10 years that you kind of almost never went anywhere. We know you've been <laughs> doing a lot of things with a lot yeah. of different teams, but it just kind of feels like once a Cougar, always a Cougar. Oh, for sure. I mean, every time I come back here, it's like home. Um, you know, the people are, have been so gracious to me and my family. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that are still working here. It's something about BYU. They love to continue to stay here and be here. So I know a lot of still the same faces that are here. And obviously the programs are continuing to grow. And I love watching the, uh, the basketball program get better. And what Kalani's doing here with the with our Cougars is special. And I love seeing it. He's such a good guy and uh, a great coach. And I know the players love him. You know, Jimmer, back when, because our times almost yeah. aligned perfectly. And yeah. Had I known that the collectibles market was going to balloon into what <laughs> it did real. today, when I'd come over and hang over, you know, at the Arlington apartment that yep. you and Charles Abu, I maybe would have swiped a, a sweatshirt or a hoodie. I mean, I could have got uh, a couple. Who knows what I could have got for it these days. I'm with you, Riley. I would have done the same thing. I would have kept some of my stuff. I'm like, goodness gracious, why didn't I even think about that? It's unbelievable. But, yeah, no, it's so funny to, th- to think about that. But I think about those memories with, with yeah. such fondness. Obviously, you went on, you know, career in the NBA and a professional basketball career that's still going now, culminating you know remembering your bat your collegiate career with an induction into the hall of fame where for me my time here at byu is remember with such fondness where do those days you know whether it's in the marriott center shooting hoops late at night or just hanging out with fellow athletes for sure uh, you know around what place do those hold in your heart yeah no it's amazing i mean they're a forefront in my heart i mean i think about those things all the time and uh to see my a lot of my teammates again last night was was amazing because i haven't seen some of them for a little while some of them i seen uh, pretty frequently or talked to pretty frequently but to bring everyone back together and talk about just the stuff we had off the floor besides just on the floor you know the trips that we had just having to play in the rb because they have this beautiful practice facility now and we were you know trying to get into the rb and getting kicked out because we didn't yeah. have a wristband on and that <laughs> happened, all with the, happened to me all the time and yeah. <laughs> and you know just remembering those types of things are uh you know what made my experience here at byu so great you know and then obviously on the floor was was pretty special too we know home is in Colorado now, right? Yes. Uh, yep. your, your, your first home was in upstate New York. Then Provo became home, and now yep. you're across the Rockies. But uh, Provo is still clearly a part of your kind of yearly <laughs> itinerary. You, you, oh, you're, yeah. you're never away for too long. No, no, I'm always coming back. I mean, I do, uh, besides just coming back for football games and everything, I have a foundation here that I that always brings me back, and I'm able to go and speak with kids and have a golf event. And, you know, people have supported it so much. So, I mean, this is uh, ingrained in, 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 my, uh, in my life. I'll be here always you know for the rest of my life i love coming back here feeling the atmosphere i just love love everything about the school the the mountains uh you know just everything is just uh it's electric for me so i love coming back uh coach pope has this thing going pretty well right now of course he coached with coach rose and then was able to come back and now uh lead this byu basketball program and good things are happening there too yeah how much how up to speed do you stay with uh, what's happening on the hardwoods for byu yeah i try to stay as much as up to speed as i can um you know i've spoken with coach pope a few times uh throughout the summers and uh you know know some of the players and kind of just i i'm always following along anything they need to 
me to do, I'm always willing to help in any way that I can. And, uh, you know, he's got this thing going really well right now. I mean, they got a, a very good team coming back. Happy Alex is coming back. That's going to be a really big uh, big boost for our team this year. Um, and uh, we got some talented players, and I know we got some new players coming in that they're working in with and developing. Um, so I'm excited for the year. I mean, I know that they're excited about this move to the Big 12 yeah. and, and uh, the teams that they're going to be facing uh, when that comes about. But we have a couple years before that, so we got to stay focused and, uh, you know, worry about the task at hand at first. Uh, Jim, any basketball plans professionally for you right now? Yeah, um, right now I'm just I'm sitting back a little bit. Um, had a, a long season last year, so I was able to kind of you know take my time this time to be able to figure out where I want to be. And um, you know, so I'll, I'll be somewhere um, this year. Um, I'm just trying to figure out exactly where. More than likely, it'll probably be back in China, uh, but we're not positive yet. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll continue to go down that path, but I'll be somewhere in a good spot, um, find a really good uh, spot for myself and my family, and uh, be able to go from there. Well, Jim, recalling uh, your games and your exploits uh, you know, was part of uh, some of the most special seasons of my career. Uh, great, great memories. When anyone ever asks me about uh, favorite basketball memories, you're, you're top of mind and forefront, and uh, you and teammates that did great things together. But yeah. uh, you're a big part of, of what I've been able to enjoy as a broadcaster here at BYU, and it's always a pleasure to see you. Thanks for uh, coming up to the booth, putting on the headset, and spending a few minutes with us. Oh, uh, Greg, you're the best. I mean, you've been here forever, and you're the best at what you do, so thanks for all you do. And, you know, people enjoy our games because you call them so well. You know, and I know that's a big part of it. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having me up here, Riley. It's good to see you. Enjoy the game tonight, and, uh, you know, I'll be cheering my head off. You are the man. <laughs> Jimmer Fredette, Hall of Famer. Jimmer Fredette, thank you so much. No all right. Guys. This has been the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show for banking that helps you game plan for life. Zions Bank is for you. The Cougar kickoff show is next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Kickoff is just around the corner. You're tuned to the BYU Store Cougar Kickoff Show. The BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The Cougar Kickoff Show is also brought to you by Bailey's Moving. We move with you every step of the way since 1952. Also by BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Let's head live to the Built Bar broadcast booth alongside Riley Nelson. Here's the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. And once again, good evening, Cougar Nation. We welcome our listening audience back inside Lavelle Edwards Stadium, where tonight the Bulls of South Florida play only their second-ever game in the Beehive State. It's BYU and USF, with the Cougars looking to go 4-0 for a second straight season. And in the long and storied history of BYU football, that's never, ever happened. BYU coming into tonight's game ranked 15th in both major polls. The Cougs 14-1 in their last 15 games overall. USF has lost, meantime, 14 consecutive games to FBS opponents. This is the Cougar Kickoff Show presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Greg Rubel, Riley Nelson with you from our Built Bar broadcast booth. Former BYU wide receiver Mitchell Jurgens reporting for us from field level and the Zions Bank end zone for banking that helps you game plan for life. Zions Bank is for you. Our booth host is Jason Shepard, our engineer Michael Wimmer, statistician Ralph Sokolowski, spotter McKay Perry, in-studio engineer Sean Fay. Our Cougar Canyon engineer was Barry Squires, coordinating producer is Terry South. Our control board operators are Corbin Radford and Andrew Hare. Our broadcast interns Trevor Rich and Bryce Noakes at the stadium, Alex Dotson and Jake Roper in the studio. Good to have you with us on the new skin, BYU Sports Network, our satellite flagship, BYU Radio, Sirius XM, 
143 and 89.1 FM HD2. Our Salt Lake City flagship is KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We are also heard on the BYU Radio app, the BYU Cougars app, the BYU Game Day app, the KSL app as well as on BYURadio.org and BYUCougars.com slash live radio. Plus, our over-the-air network affiliates in the Intermountain West. Be sure to get the BYU Football Podcast for your broadcast archives and your highlights. You can also get those on the BYU Radio app. Well, the main storyline tonight, uh, the injury to Jaron Hall, the return to play for Baylor Romney, a storyline that underscores the rarity of the 2020 season when Zach Wilson took every meaningful snap in that 11-1 campaign. But that's the exception to an unfortunate rule that states BYU will not get out of the season with a healthy starting quarterback for the entire campaign. Since Max Hall's departure after the 2009 season, BYU will have used multiple starting quarterbacks in 10 of the ensuing 12 seasons. Riley is someone who has started and been a backup in almost every conceivable scenario during your seasons at Utah State and BYU. How do you assess BYU's current quarterback scenario, both in terms of what Baylor Romney brings to the table and how soon BYU needs Jaron Hall back under center? Baylor brings stability, and that is such a nice luxury to have that you have a guy that the coaches and players know when he goes out there and he takes those snaps that he will execute. He's been there before. Everybody's seen it. It's not just that they have a belief or a trust in his skills, but two seasons ago he started two games, won both, and he did his job in both games. So that is an extreme luxury. From Jaron's standpoint, as someone who played not at full strength or who played through injuries, I've in my old and it's a tough one because all the competitors want to be out there and I know Jaron wants to be out there tonight, but you are at your best when you are 100% healthy and that's when you give the team the best chance to win. So however long it takes for Jaron, He's going to be chomping at the bit. He's going to be asking the trainers. He's going to be asking the coaches, put me back in there. I want to be back in. But because you did that. I did. And uh, unfortunately, you know, I I still wonder. So playing hurt, we lost by two, by one point and by two points. And I just, I got to believe that had I been at full strength, I could have accounted for in the two points against Utah and the one point against Boise. And then that completely changes the face of that 2012 season. So my advice to Jaron would be rest up, get back. Your team needs you back at 100%, especially with Baylor there in doing his job. All right, so we'll have more of the BYU Store Cougar kickoff show straight ahead. But before the break, we remind you to stop by your locally owned and operated Big O Tires for the lowest price on every tire plus no credit needed financing big o tires the team you trust the cougar kickoff show continues right after this live from lavelle edwards stadium on the new skin byu sports network The Cougar Kickoff Show continues. Let's head back to the Built Bar broadcast booth with Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, to BYU and USF are coming up. And officially with the kickoff slide, it'll be an 825 Mountain Time kick. Since defeating BYU 27-23 in Tampa back in 2019, USF is 1-15 versus FBS opponents and 3-24 and in its last 27 FBS games, they've lost 16 straight to top 20 teams, which BYU is, and seven in a row on the road. Meantime, number 15 BYU has won five in a row overall, 12 straight at home, and only Alabama 
has won more games than BYU since the start of last season. Cougs 14-1 and in their last 15 games heading into tonight's contest with South Florida. After three straight out of the gate against FBS, make it P5 competition, BYU tonight takes on a team that is clearly struggling against higher caliber competition. USF has lost its two FBS games this season by a combined score of 87-20. to 20. BYU on the flip side has yet to score more than 27 in any game. It's the first time BYU's won three straight games with 27 points or fewer since the first three games of the 1966 season. Now, in the first three games of last season, BYU scored 55, 48, and 45 points. But this week, offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick said the Utah and Arizona State defenses of the last two weeks, they were better than any defense the Cougars faced at any point last year. That being the case, Riley, we should expect to see BYU's highest point total of the season tonight, even with a backup QB at the controls. Yes, most definitely, and that would be accomplished through, I think, heavy dose of Tyler Algier. I think you're going to see a wide distribution for two reasons. One, the opportunity is going to be there. Uh, uh, Sorry, I didn't finish my sentence. A wide distribution amongst the receivers for two reasons. One, the opportunity will be there. More guys will be able to create more separation against this defensive secondary. And then two, that is Baylor by nature. In his two starts, he, he, he goes through his reads. He's tremendous. He doesn't lock on to one guy or go to a guy just because he has chemistry he's great at reading the field and making the right read and taking what the defense gives him so for that I expect to see a very balanced attack and I expect to see a lot of BYU offensive players getting involved in the production tonight now on the other side of the ball uh, BYU is excelling Arizona Utah and Arizona State have scored 16 17 and 17 points respectively since the beginning of the P5 era let's say 1998 through this season this is the first time ever that BYU's held three straight P5s to 17 points or fewer. Now, the loss of linebacker Keenan Peely, that's pretty big. And BYU will be down some other starters on defense tonight. Atanai Samahe, Tyler Batty. Depth will continue to be a challenge. But this BYU has been impressive. I say that while acknowledging BYU currently ranks 101st in yards per play allowed. So they have been run on and thrown on. But the Cougs stiffen in scoring territory. Eighth nationally. In defensive red zone touchdown percentage, top 10 in turnovers forced, and in the most important category, points allowed, the Cougs Riley very stingy. They're getting it done. They may be getting it done in a little bit of a unique way. You know, I that we mentioned earlier in the broadcast, the 2012 team, which had a very strong defense, but that was made up of household names. Danny Sorensen, Kyle Van Oy, Ziggy Ansaw. This one is done much more by committee. No doubt you have those more familiar names, the Keenan Peelys, the Peyton Wilgars, the Lopa Leotawas. But how many times, Greg, have we seen nine-man line changes? I expect that to continue here tonight. It's so tremendous, the depth that Elisa Tuiaki and Coach Kalani Sitake have built with this BYU defense and the flexibility and creativity it's allowed them to display on the field. And, boy, is it sure, is the proof sure in the pudding here in the early goings of this 2021 season. Time now for tonight's Hyatt Place Comfort Zone feature at Hyatt Place Provo. Your safety and comfort will always be our highest priority. And BYU is extremely comfortable on fourth downs when it's time to punt. Ryan Rico last week set a new BYU single game record with an 83-yard bomb against Arizona State. Even with a punt, he was asked to kick short for a punt and pin. He ended up with a 54-yard average on six boots. On the season, he ranks fourth nationally in punt average. This is my 30th season on the radio broadcast crew for football. 
And in my 30 years, BYU's never had a punter drafted. If it's going to happen, Ryan Rico's going to be that guy. Greg, they say when you listen to a pro prospect in baseball take batting practice, it just sounds different. The contact with the bat and the ball, it's the same thing with a pro punter, with a pro prospect punter. When when Ryan Rico puts his foot into the ball, you half expect it to be like the old Looney Tunes cartoons (laughs) where the back blows out and it rockets up into the the stratosphere, right? He is a tremendous luxury to have. it, It hasn't gotten as much talk because of the play of the offense and the defense, but the special teams for this BYU defense, whether it was the turnover to start the ASU game or a myriad of other plays, has been absolutely outstanding. And chief among those reasons that it's been outstanding has been Ryan Rico's play. We are back with more of the BYU Store Cougar Kickoff Show live from Lavelle Edwards Stadium right after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Getting you geared up for game time. This is the Cougar Kickoff Show. Now back to Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Coming up, it is 3-0, BYU hosting 1-2 South Florida. BYU looking to even its all-time record against the Bulls at 1-1. There are only five teams BYU's played two or more times without a win. Iowa State, Florida State, Ohio State, Oklahoma State, Stanford. We don't expect USF to join that group tonight. The Cougs are more than three touchdown favorites. BYU's off to a perfect start to the season with the new coach calling all the plays on offense. Yes, Aaron Roderick was involved with the offense as pass game coordinator under Jeff Grimes, but now it's his offense to run, and he's done it in a really productive fashion. Three wins over three P5s. Riley, the A-Rod way is all about eliminating the things that get you beat, namely turnovers and bad penalties, the exact things that got ASU beat, we could say, last week here in Provo. A-Rod preaches ball security, but he also preaches aggressiveness. And the defense and special teams are a part of that game plan. They know that when there's a chance to dictate to the defense, especially in the middle of the field, A-Rod's going to be on attack. The performance on fourth down and managing what are called four-down scenarios has been, I mean, I don't want to exaggerate here, but it's been as close to flawless as possible. And that's both Aaron Roderick's leadership uh, in, in working in conjunction with Coach Satake. You love to see that aggressiveness, especially when... Uh, you know, maybe the points aren't coming as freely as they did last year. There's m- multi- multiple factors, name, chief among them, that it's higher level of competition this year. But I expect them to let the dogs loose. One thing I would caution is don't press. Don't come out here thinking you have to put 40 up. The only... Sp- the only stat at the end of the day that matters is getting that W. I know Coach Roderick understands that, but I also know as a competitor he wants to put up a lot of points here tonight because the opportunity is there against this opponent. Now, BYU had been turnover three through two games, right? They did have their first two turnovers of the season last week. One was an end zone INT right before halftime, uh, for which A-Rod actually took the blame on that one. The other was the ill-advised throw by Jaron Hall that turns from a pick six into one of the plays of the year from Tyler Algier. Riley, even a week later, it's still one of the coolest plays we've ever seen. It should be memorialized. I'm not sure what an NFT is, Greg, but I believe you can... Non-fungible token. (laughs) You can take a picture or something. And Anyway, that picture of Tyler Algier in midair about to punch the ball out should definitely be one. It should be memorialized in Cougar lore. All right, interesting side note. uh, When BYU and USF last met two years ago in Tampa, Tyler Algier was still playing linebacker and had yet to switch over to running back. He had two tackles in the loss at South Florida. Let's pause for our national anthem.
coming up, we'll head down to field level here from Mitchell Jurgens after we tell you that mouth-rottering Hawaiian-style food is just minutes away from the Van Edward Stadium for fresh-off-the-grill chicken, teriyaki steak, and sizzling shrimp, Coconut Island Grill has the island flavors your mouth has been waiting for. Text the word ALOHA to 61090. That's the word ALOHA to 61090 to get 15% off your next meal at Coconut Island Grill. And by the way, one of the owners of Coconut Island Grill is former BYU linebacker Aaron Wagner. The BYU Store Cougar Kickoff Show continues after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is the Cougar Kickoff Show. Let's get back to Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, 15th ranked BYU and USF kicking it off at 825. USF looking for its first win over a ranked team in more than five years. It's been more than 10 years since BYU, or rather since the Bulls' last victory over a ranked team on the road. New head coach Jeff Scott in his second season after five seasons as Clemson's OC. He's 2-10. Both wins over FCS and all 10 losses against FBS. Timmy McLean, freshman quarterback for USF, began got his first start against Florida A&M last week. And BYU's defense now gets a rookie at quarterback, Riley, after facing two pretty experienced signal callers in the last two weeks. I'd expect Elisa Tuiaki to give uh, the kid a whole lot to worry about tonight. It's reminiscent of when USC came in here and Keaton Slovis, uh, who's been now their three year, going on three years as their starter, started his first away game. And uh, boy, did he! they give him fits that night. I believe three interceptions and an, a, another turnover as BYU came away with the win against USC here in 2019. No, these defenders are going to be licking their chops against this true freshman. You understand why the Bulls feel like they need to do it. It's a new day. It's a new dawn. This is a recruit from Coach Scott that he's brought in. It's his guy. He wants to start building some momentum for the future as he phases out the past for this USF program, but it's going to be a tall task to do here tonight against BYU. He is Riley Nelson, now down to Mitchell Jurgens. Mitch reporting from the Zions Bank end zone for banking that helps you game plan for life. Zions Bank is for you, Mitch. Uh, if there's been a theme to emerge from coaches after a 3-0 start, it's still that BYU can play better. Where could BYU get better tonight from your vantage point? Yeah, Greg, the biggest thing I'm looking for tonight is for BYU to start fast offensively. Uh, through three games this season, it's taken a while for the Cougs to get going, which I believe is one of the biggest reasons um, why those three games have even been close in the, in, in the fourth quarter. Um, if BYU can come out fast and put up a score on the first drive of the game and, and can put up an additional score in the first quarter, I think they'll set the, stone, the tone for the rest of the game. Um, staying with the offense, the other thing I want to see tonight is for BYU to play consistently good football in four quarters. Again, through three games this season, we haven't seen that consistency. Um, they played really well in quarters and flopped in others, specifically the third, kind of coming out at halftime. Um, so the only game, really, they've scored all four quarters is against Utah, but uh, two of those quarters were just lone three-point field goals, not as dynamic as you'd like to see. So I think this matchup is BYU's chance to get on track and put together a complete four-quarter football game. So I'd like to see them execute that tonight with a fast start in the first. Thank you, Mitch. Indeed, BYU won the first quarter touchdown so far this season. Coming up next, Riley Nelson's keys to the game. The coin toss and the opening kick. This has been the BYU Store Cougar Kickoff Show. Live from the Edwards Stadium on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. <laughs> 